You're listening to the Tony Stewart Podcast, where Tony interviews financial literacy advocates who are changing the conversation on money, so you can catch up on the latest trends and ideas in the world of financial literacy and education. Welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. I'm pleased to be joined today by Julie Raines. Julie is the author of Growing Wealth. It will in this episode, we'll be discussing where gardening and money meet. Julie, welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, excited to get in this conversation. Um, loved your book. Um, so, you know, as we get started, you know, tell us a little bit, what is your origin story? How did you get started in financial wellness? Well, I like to think I have two sides of my origin story. The first is what kind of came natural to me as a child. Um, I was a natural saver and I seemed to have an affinity for numbers. I don't think I realized that was unusual as a child. And, but but the way I kind of expressed that affinity was a lot of times through money. And my parents were children in the great depression. So they really passed on this idea of frugality and saving and being cautious. And, um, and that really reinforced this whole idea of saving. Um, And I won't say that's, I think it, it gave me, consciousness about finance. Um, I'm not sure if that was really wellness, but it was it was definitely a consciousness about finance. Um, mm-hmm. And even as a child, I think in elementary school, I learned about compound interest and exponential growth. And that was really fascinating. And that might be unusual for like an eight-year-old to, to get excited about that. But, but I was. Um, but the second phase was really when I was an adult and had a child and started seeing how they learned. And I learned that the way I learned was profoundly different than other people. Um, and I knew that I wasn't that great at doing things. You know, I had somebody who had to tell me like exactly what to do. Like it was saying gardening. I couldn't like just look at somebody planning something and figure out what they were doing or even, uh, I guess, whatever I learned in biology class kind of went over my head. Uh, <laughs> so I wasn't very good at doing things. Um, I wasn't good at geometry. That, like the other math thing that I couldn't do was geometry. I wasn't very visual spatial. Um, so what I learned from this process of kind of, I went through an evaluation and learned that how differently I looked at the world. And I probably the thing I took away at first was that I needed very explicit instruction to learn something. I needed somebody to teach me gardening. I needed, I went back and took some graduate classes in um, writing. So I learned that. I think later I really came to understand that I had this strength in money. So those two things kind of came together a little bit later in life for me. Um, but I had always been using the money for, for financial and financial wellness. But once I learned gardening, it kind of broadened my ability to understand the world and also relate how, how hard, even though money came easy to me, um, other things didn't, especially gardening. And so I had a little bit more empathy and understanding what other people would go through when they were trying to learn something. Yeah, I, I think that's so important is I, I think that's missed a lot by the financial services industry is that, you know, you need a little bit of empathy. Um, you know, it came up in a LinkedIn conversation, you know, about that we need to talk human uh, when we talk about money and uh, instead mm-hmm. of money terms. And, you know, I, I think that's part of what, you know, I, I don't want to bury the lead here with uh, what we're talking about with your book, but I love that connection that you made between gardening and money. So, you know, let's let's get into that. What inspired you to write Growing Wealth? I think the initial inspiration was that I wanted, I knew that money was confusing and I knew that people are 
sometimes going to use misleading terms to get people to buy things, sometimes in, in, in the service of trying to help them, sometimes in order to maybe not help them, but or just to make a commission. But so I knew that things could be co- confusing and I wanted to write something that was more clear. And then I also wanted mm-hmm. to open up more conversations for people by telling stories. The, the thing about the gardening kind of came in a little bit later. Um, that's when I realized that that's a good kind of a, say hook people say describe it as a hook to me it's more like metaphors describing what I learned in one area and how I can relate it to another yeah well you know let's go a little bit deeper on that how did that connection come about Um, how did you make the connection between gardening and money you know I I won't say that I was I mean I did make the connection I started writing about it and I noticed that people started really they weren't excited when I wrote about my regular financial stuff. They, some people weren't, um, <laughs> but people were more interested when I started talking about gardening. It seemed to be more relatable. And I think in hindsight, I realized that I probably explained um, ideas more concretely and more simply that way. doesn't mean they were all simple concepts, but I think I was able to explain things in a better way. And it, just, it was more engaging. So I kind of, I just kind of kept writing that and started thinking more and more about um, ways gardening can relate to to growing wealth. And I think that's important is, you know, that, that people need to be able to relate and understand is, you know, as, as we were talking about a minute ago, is we use a lot of terms in the financial world that people don't really understand or are familiar with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we know simple gardening terms. We've all learned, maybe we don't know the basics or know how to grow a garden, but we know, you know, planting and you know, tilling the soil and all the other terms. And so, you know, we have, I, th- I think we have a point of reference where for money, you know, you know, if I ask you, you know, like what's the coupon rate on your bond, you're probably going to go, what? <laughs> you, know, yeah. you, you don't have a point of reference for that. You know, right, it doesn't come true. up in conversation much. Right. You know? So I, I, I love that because I think that's how people learn is, you know, when they can say, okay, well, I, I get this. I understand this and I can make, I, I guess, a connection like you did to something. Right. And uh, if it's something that, that is enjoyable, like gardening, then it makes it easier to understand because we're open to it. So, you know, I mean, as, as you went through gardening, I, I mean, it's something, it's a hobby, so you enjoy it, right? Right. And I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of maybe the taboo or fear around um, money. My my ta- my fear was around gardening, but but I think there is like there's not as much fear about. It. It's more something that you enjoy and something that you would you're outside and you're planting. People say that it's very therapeutic for them to go out and dig in the dirt um, and to see things grow, and it's very nurturing. You know, I I find it therapeutic to do a spreadsheet, but <laughs> um, <laughs> somebody else, yeah. other than most people, a lot of people would think more in terms of of being outside and growing things and seeing things kind of come to fruition. Definitely. I don't think I've heard anybody ever say that spreadsheets are therapeutic before, but that's good. That's good. (laughs) The accountants in the audience are going to be really happy to hear that. (laughs) So so it's great. But I think you said something that's super important is, is about the fear of money. And I think that is one reason why people just don't deal with their finances. I mean, would you agree that you feel that people have fear when it comes to talking about their money and dealing with their money? Definitely. I think, I mean, it can be very intimidating. 
And, and I think it, it can be intimidating. It can be scary if you don't understand the terms. You know, if you're worried you don't can't make a bill, pay a bill or something, that can be really um, scary. And just talking and dealing with people sometimes, not always. Some people, you know, at your local bank are great and very helpful. And then sometimes they're they're not as helpful. So so that, that the, you know, like any other human interaction, it can be positive and negative. But I think people maybe sort of tend to look at the negative and um, get a little frustrated and, and, and fearful of that. That's true. Yeah, 100%. I, I think the other thing you point out, too, is, you know, the taboo nature of talking about money is I think that's also a factor. I think you're you're right. And I think I'd like one of the things I hope with the book, well, I wrote a book, as you mentioned earlier, is that that the idea of sharing your stories would be become more commonplace. Just like you might swap stories about, you know, what do I do about this, these um, leaves on my peach tree that are brown? You know, you might ask a friend that. You might just be just as comfortable asking a friend. Um, somebody asked recently about a health insurance who were, you know, where is a broker that I can um, work with so that you become a little more comfortable. Or this is how I'm, you know, finance my mortgage or whatever the topic is. Not that you have to reveal every, all your secrets, but just to have a normal conversation about some of those things. It's amazing how much you can learn just from normal conversations. And, and, and I also will say, you know, I've learned a lot from my, from my parents and then learned a lot from my kids, like different generations to kind of see the different stories and, Sometimes you'll see similar things, but also things change. You know, the economy changes over time too. So just to make, to make that a more of a normal conversation. 100%. Yeah, I, I think that's that's part of it too is, you know, as you say, is it's not something sometimes that you can talk about comfortably with other people or sometimes people think they're giving away a secret, as you mentioned, um, where they're just not as open because like, oh, what do I say? You know, that's that's personal. You know, can I talk about my 401k without saying what my balance is? You know, I mean, you know, where do you draw that line between it being personal and not personal? Because if you're talking about your garden, you know, it's like, you're not going to say, well, I can't tell you if I planted peas or not. You know, that's, that's <laughs> kind of proprietary information. <laughs> so I, I love that. Yeah, yeah I so. think you probably would do whatever you feel comfortable as far as sharing, but but I think just, and even like for me, it might be more family, you know, definitely with some friends if I'd have need some advice or see maybe what other people have done, but it can be really helpful, I think, within families as well. Yeah. And, you know, I've even seen that in families is, you know, they, the couples don't talk about it or, you know, adult parents don't want to talk to their kids, you know, about it because, you know, it's none of their business, you know, they don't need to know that or, and then you have this whole communication thing going on because people just are not open with their money and um it's hard to have a good communication when you can't talk about half the things in, in the room right right and i but i think about my dad would tell me he didn't sit me down and talk to me about things but just conversations over the years just kind of helped me understand you know what he did and what he did right he said you know for example he'd say um julie you need to say more than i did and that just kind of said, okay, I get it. That there's some, and, 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 you know, his era was not, um, you know, 401ks weren't invented or IRAs weren't invented and stocks, buying stocks was very expensive. So there's also sort of context there. But, and, but he also explained to me about, you know, mortgages and, and things like that. So that was just some of those brief conversations really helped me get some context for his finances and how I could run mine. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's a great point for everybody, you know, watching and listening to this is, you know, talk to your kids about this is, you know, as Julie said, you know, you can provide your kids with context. You may not be able to answer all the questions for them, but, you know, have the conversations with your kid, help them learn uh, personal finance early. Um, so, you know, let's let's go back to your book for a minute. You know, you, you cover three essentials in the book. Can you tell us uh, briefly, what are the three essentials? Well, I've got the thing that kind of inspired that framework was the three essentials that my gardening teacher told me. And she said, and this really helped me because I had tried before and wasn't um, very successful. But she said, the three essentials are good dirt, sun and water. And she said, nothing else matters if you don't have good dirt. And that really stuck with me. I only took one class from this person. People think this is like a coach (laughs) that I had for years. But it's like, no, just one class. But she said those three things. And that made a huge difference. And so when I started thinking about growing wealth and personal finance, there's so much to learn. But I thought, well, if I can distill that into three essentials, I would say they're spending less than you earn, making money in ways that don't require daily work and protecting yourself from loss. And, um, and, you know, if nothing else matters, if you can't learn how to spend less than you earn. So that framework really carried over well for me. I felt like it mm-hmm. did. Yeah, well, that's great. And and also, you know, I, I think, you know, I mean, that's, that's where we met is, you know, and talking about risk protection is, is why mm-hmm. do you think sometimes people don't consider that one of the essentials um, that, that it doesn't get talked about as much? That's interesting to, that you asked that because I, I just, it's so, again, it's sort of natural to me that that would, that would be essential. I think part of it might be when I start that they might fear some fear or pressure with not from you because you're, that's the one, that's the thing that I bond, <laughs> I think, over you is very unbiased and um, focused on educating about insurance. But I think there's a little bit of a fear about insurance um, mm-hmm. that people might feel like they're pressured. So maybe they, maybe they ignore that. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Um, I probably, I had a little bit more of an insight into protection because of my background, maybe a little bit of natural risk averseness, but you know, parents grow into depression, there was actually something they needed to protect themselves from as far as a economic collapse. Um, so that might've been something that was kind of instilled in me as far as protection. Um, but I think that can be scary, but I don't think protection isn't just about insurance. That's a big component of it. Um, and if you can find somebody that's really good insurance, just hold on to them and grab them because that's, that's really, that's something that's very valuable. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's, you know, I mean, that's my core thing is that, you know, it, it, insurance forms, I think the foundation of our financial house and it protects us. But I think there's, as you point out, it's not just the typical insurance that we tend to think of is, you know, um, like people call it an emergency fund. I like the term rainy day fund a little bit better, but I think that's, you know, that's insurance, um, mm-hmm. you know, because you're protecting yourself against having big car repairs. Um, and so I, I like that, that you're, you know, stretching the meaning where it's not just insurance. It's about taking care of, you know, I guess having a plan B if you need it. Right. Some, I hadn't really thought about it in terms of an emergency fund. I think about this for savings, but you're right. Having that, if something happens, what are you going to do? And so how do you build up re- you know, reserves or whatever it is that to protect yourself? Because something's going to happen. 
Yeah, no, right. but as you said, savings account is the same thing. Um, you know, so since we're talking about savings, I know that you talk about compound interest. And, you know, it's one of the things that I think is such an important concept for people. So why do you feel that understanding compound interest is so powerful? I think for me, it was, and for most people would be, just that it encourages you to start investing early and staying invested and then being able to enjoy that wealth later or whenever you need it. Um, I think, and, th- and that's what, like I said, when I learned it fairly early, so I could send, make decisions, money decisions in the lens of, you know, this now, this dollar now that I want to spend on something versus, you know, a lot of dollars in the future. So I seem to have that a little bit more intuitive decision making. And I think that could help people make decisions that you're not just giving up a dollar now or saving a dollar now. You're also giving up all that compound growth. Um, and I'll insert here, I always, I still think of that as a kind of a, it's a very important concept, but kind of a different, a difficult concept. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you were the same as I was when I was a kid, where there's a teacher that talks about, you know, you have a penny, um, you know, and each day it doubles, you know, for thir- for a whole month. And you wouldn't think, you know, so a dog, you, know, you have a penny and then the next day it's, you know, worth two cents. Like, right, wow, great. The next day it's worth four cents. <laughs> wow, that's great. You know, it's like, that's not big, that big of a deal. But then if you keep going, it's like, it's like $10 million, like the end of the month. Um, and that doesn't, I still, I, I still want to say, is that right? I want to go get my spreadsheet out to make sure that that's right. Um, because it's so, when, when I model it, that's one of the reasons I like spreadsheets. I like to model how things work. It's very concrete. If I can see it on, on the paper, it's more concrete to me. I guess that's a better way of saying it. Um, and I would encourage anybody that, to go out and just kind of model what, you know, that, that concept. Because I think on paper, it seems, to me, it seems more real. Yeah, and I, I've heard some other um, examples of compound interest, like uh, I think you know, with a pond getting lily pads covered, like that only half the pond is covered, you know, twenty eight days into the month, but you know, it's like the last day where the last half gets covered because right. that's the last compounding component, and I think that's the part that's hard for us to understand is that yes. You know that's that's where the magic of compound interest happens is just in those in that very last part that it's not right, in the right. early had, part. That, that's a great. Um, I had never. I think I've heard that before, but I hadn't really thought about it that well. That's a good um, example. Yeah, I think that was from Morgan Housel. Uh, I may not be okay. pronouncing his last name correctly, but um, I, I think that was his example. You know, so, um, you know, one of the things I, I want to make sure that we talked about is, you know, compassion. And I think that's so important is that, you know, as we talked about earlier, that it's beyond the numbers. So why is it important for people to be compassionate with themselves? Compassion. Well, I think that it can help. I mean, I think in general, it's a good idea to be compassionate, but I think especially with money or anything you're learning that if you aren't compassionate with yourself, and I, cause I've experienced this, um, then you kind of get stuck. You think, it, you know, you, you think you're the problem um, and you don't think maybe there's a solution to the problem. You just feel like you're kind of stuck and you don't really want to tell anybody uh, about it. And you fear you can be shamed about it or 
And so I think if you're compassionate with yourself, it kind of opens you up to learning. It opens you up to, you know, finding resources that you need to, to learn. Um, and that, and I, and I think when you're compassionate yourself, it's a little bit, it's easier to be compassionate with other people. So if you're help teaching somebody, whether it's about gardening or money, you can be more compassionate with them and have more empathy with them and really help people navigate questions um, or topics or things that they're trying to, problems they're trying to solve. If you're more compassionate with yourself and other people. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. It's, it's, you know, especially with money is because it's so easy to feel bad. It's so easy to feel shamed, um, you know, you know, like uh, giving up your daily coffee is, you know, give up your daily coffee. You know, if, you, if you're buying coffee at Starbucks, you know, you're a bad person and you're not going to be able to retire. I mean, how do you feel about that? How, how do you address that when you talk about it? Well, it's funny you should say because I'm not a coffee person. I don't understand the whole coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, but the, you make a good point in that, you know, sometimes we focus on the wrong things. I mean, the, to me, that the broader, the broader message is not a terrible message, but that, but the broader message um, is you need to find a way to spend less than you earn. And it may be that that's the one thing you love doing is going to the coffee shop and, and, um, tipping your barista and hanging out with your friends and, and getting a good start on the day. Um, but it's like anything else, if you want to make sure you're, you're spending, you're not spending too, too much, but, but I think the idea of if somebody just points that out and you might be doing a hundred other things, right. And you're, and you are spending less. I mean, you're, you're, you're earning more than you're, than you're spending, then that doesn't really help you, you know, make any progress. So I think you do think about things that are personal um, to not feel ashamed of something. And they, and I, you know, that you say that, cause I remember somebody saying something about my peach tree, like what maybe it isn't um, there's like a hundred things I need to think about before it'll grow. And I was so excited about these peach blossoms and I felt like, you know, here's something else I got to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It it, like you say <laughs> well, yeah. And like you said, is that daily coffee may not even make much of a difference to somebody in the long run. Um, that I think you have to, as you point out, is remember the core principle of spending less than you earn. If you have money to buy a daily coffee and that's what, you know, it, it, you know, makes your day and makes it so you can go have a good day, then I don't think that's the worst thing for people. Um, you know, that it's, it's personal and that you I meet the three essentials. Right. And, and as you, just to reiterate, I hadn't really thought about it should be a shaming type thing, but I, I know people experience that as shaming. And again, I don't necessarily think of the money thing as shaming, but I definitely pick up all of the gardening, the gardening shame. <laughs> gardening shame. I haven't heard that before. We haven't talked about gardening shame before. <laughs> so, um, so Julie, you know, as we wrap up, uh, what's your number one tip on changing the way we think about money? I think I'll go back to what we talked about before is sharing stories. It's just being willing to share stories. And, and one thing that I found when I shared stories, and I think other people will find this, is how much of your um, how much you've been affected by your, you know, your parents and your growing up and just the way you see life. And then maybe you actually have biases when you're giving other people, like if a parent's giving advice to their kid, they might realize, oh, wait a second, I have some biases here 
that may maybe might be a positive influence, they might be a negative influence, or they might be neutral, but just to kind of get to know your own story and then to be able to share stories with other people. Because I think that can really help um, take away some of the, the shame and just even inevitably, if you share a story about money, you're going to share a story about making a mistake. And that helps. I think it helps people learn that um, everybody makes mistakes and that doesn't mean that you're good or bad with money. It just means that hopefully you'll learn from your mistake and then, you know, keep going and keep learning. Yeah, no, that that's really powerful. And I, I think it does come down to that is knowing your own money story, knowing your motivation, knowing where you're going. Um, I, think, I think it's so important and that your experiences all add up. And the influence how you make other decisions is, you know, your experience of saving and what savings means, you know, because your parents, that goes into how you think about savings today and maybe even, you know, into how much debt you take on or um, everything else. So I think that's such a great point. So Julie, this is probably the most important question. Where can people learn more about you and pick up their very own copy of Growing Wealth? Well, right now it's available on Amazon. I've got an ebook out and a paperback book. And really you can learn a lot about me through the book. So if you want to know more about me and gardening and my money story, you can find it there. And then I've also have a website, um, julierains.com that I'll invite you to visit as well. Fantastic. And for everybody watching and listening, like always, um, there'll be links to Julie's books and a book and to her website in the show notes. Julie, thank you so much for uh, I'm having a tough time with those words. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks everyone for tuning in to the Tony Stewart podcast. Until next time.